Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. All right. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Bueno, Sarah. Uh, I'm speaking foreign language, and you know why? Because we have an incredible guest on tonight. We have Katerina Van Riet, and I hope I'm saying it right. She is coming to us all the way, other side of the ocean, other side of the pond, as they say sometimes. Uh, going to tell us all about teaching English in a foreign country. Really, really, really interesting. I've had some great conversations there. I'm very excited about this. But hold the uh, hold the phone for a second. I got a couple quick uh, hits I want to get into. Number one, a lot of schools, and I'm getting a lot of questions about this. Okay, a lot, lot, lot. I'm going to get into it too much tonight, but check out my live tomorrow. It'll probably be around lunchtime. Uh, a lot of schools are going back next week on a half day, a, ha a half uh, admission, uh, Monday, Thursday, Tuesday, Friday. Is it going to work? Is it a good idea? Is it a great way for my kid to learn? These are questions parents are asking me, okay? And uh, honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm taking a wait-and-see mindset, okay? I'm not going to say it's not going to work because I think it can. I'm not going to say it's going to work for sure because it may not. But what I'm going to say is let's give it time. Let's give the teachers a chance to feel this out. Let's get the students a chance to feel this out. And let's see if it's going to work. Now, the, the fly in the ointment is if some big surge of positivity cases are happening, which nobody wants ever anywhere. And um, that causes, you know, some of the schools to get infected and, you know, things like this. And, and we don't want that. So let's just disqualify that from the conversation. So my opinion is this. I think school, school, kids get that. That's what they're used to. That's the structure they're accustomed to. Um, the way this teaching is going to happen, I think, is something the teachers are going to have to get used to. So I think everybody just has to be a little bit patient. I, as always, am here to support what's going on. I'm here to support you, families, parents, students. This event sponsored by the Success Community. If you need help 24-7, get to the Success Community, make the grade.community. Imagine that. So let's do this. Without any further ado, I want to introduce our guest. She, it is like 7 o'clock. She's been up all night <laughs> to, uh, to uh, attend this live. This is live. This is completely live, right? So uh, it is 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever, 2.03 in the morning there where you are. Let's confirm that, right? Where I am, it's a nice uh, even 8 o'clock. So, uh, so first of all, thank you very much uh, for thank doing you. that. So let me introduce uh, my guest, Katrine. So you are in Holland, right? Yes. Which which city? In where? Utrecht. Utrecht. Now, where is that exactly? That that our audience would is it near Amsterdam? Uh yeah, it's near Amsterdam. It's sort of plumb in the middle. Okay, so I'm sure it's a beautiful city. Most cities in Europe are. Um, so let, let's start out this way. I want to give. You, I want the audience to learn a little bit about you. So, why don't you just tell us um, how you got into education? Maybe what your background is a little bit. Uh, what's your favorite color? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's your favorite meal or dessert? I don't know. Just a little human interest stuff. And then we're going to get into some. I got a whole list of. Look at this. Look at that. I got a whole list of discussion topics tonight because we got a lot to get into. So, 
Uh, tell us a little bit. How'd you get into education? Give me a little history um, here. Well, actually, my entire family is in education. So both my parents were primary school teachers when they were still working. Um, so I sort of grew up thinking that being a teacher would be this really cool job. Um, and when too, I was in secondary too, school, I just thing. decided, yeah, I just decided I wanted to be an English teacher because I think English is such a beautiful language. Um, and then, yeah, I studied mm. English at uh, Utrecht University and sort of stuck around here. Um, and I've been teaching for eight years now, I think. Interesting. You know, I, my, my, both my parents were teachers, too. So we were, we were like brothers from another mother, <laughs> <laughs> as they say here in the United States. I get all kinds of slang. Um so you decide, and listen, let me tell you something, and I don't want to offend anybody here, but most people don't usually call English a beautiful language. In America, we sort of think of beautiful things like French, you know, something very romantic or something, but I love it. It's great. A fan. So why English? Why not German? Why not French? Why not Spanish? Why not Greek? I don't know. Why not Slovakian? Why not Armenian or Japanese? Why, why English? What, what was the draw? Um, well, I think Japanese is also a really beautiful language. Okay. I'm not sure why English. It might have been the literature, because um, there's so many great books written in English. I mean, take Dickens, for example, is brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, but mainly, I also think it's um, what you can do with a language. It's so versatile. Um, and I, I think I sort of fell in love with that aspect of it. Interesting. How many languages can you speak fluently? Oh, I don't know about fluently. I suppose Dutch and English would have. Um, my German's not bad. Okay, not bad. It's probably a thousand times better than mine. <laughs> well, we Talk have to Deutsch. learn a lot of languages in Netherlands <laughs> yes, because it's yes, such uh, a tiny country. We have to learn all of them. There you go. Eine Bier. Eine Bier for me. <laughs> um, so, how, so eight years ago you started teaching English. So tell me about, okay, this, the audience here, my audience here, are typically parents who have children in school. And what, what we push here is, is, is ways they can help their children progress more with their education, actions they could take. So um, how does your school work? What's your format? Is it one-on-one? -on -one? Is it a classroom? Is it live? Are you doing it through video? What's the circumstance there at this point? Well, at this point, almost everything's online because in the Netherlands as well, we're dealing with COVID. So... Uh most of our classes are actually taught online through either Microsoft Teams or sometimes Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, we used to work a lot face-to-face, uh, -face, obviously, and then um, we mostly teach groups. Um, and our main target audience are um, uh, students in higher education. So usually uh, they're not university students, but um, yeah, I'm not, the Dutch educational system is a bit different. Um, well, what would their age be? How old? 18 to 24. So here we would, we, would, we would call them a college student or a university yeah. level. Okay. Um, is that because the demand for people to learn English is high? Yes. Yes, because Netherlands um, is making or has made the switch from um, higher education being taught in Dutch to actually higher education, everything being taught in English. Really? So there's a very high demand. Who, now, who decided that? The government or the schools or...? wasn't a vote. Was it a vote? No, it wasn't a vote, although we're quite big on them. Um, we, um, I, th I, think, um, I think officially it's the government who decided, but I hmm. think unofficially it might have been the um, universities who saw this big opportunity there because if you teach everything in English, 
then you get this huge influx from foreign students. Um, so I think that's mainly the reason. Wow. Let me ask you this, because I, I don't like to generalize, but I, I think this is true. The average American probably speaks English, and maybe, because they had it in high school or something, is a little dabbles in another language. Uh, whereas I think the typical European or uh, Asian or whatever, fluent, you know, typically two, three languages, they just learn throughout their whole life. So it just hasn't been a focus of our educational system. But uh, what would you say, if somebody wants to learn another language, what, what advice would you give them? What tips would you give? Like, what's your secret? You know, what's your secret sauce here to teaching <laughs> English? But let's apply that sort of in reverse. Somebody who knows English is trying to learn another language. Um, well, yeah, so sometimes I teach Dutch um, and then it also depends, like, are you just picking up the language or are you like a false beginner? Do you already know something or are you going from a like ready, uh, like immediate level to an advanced level? Hmm. Um, but I think what generally works well is immersion and you can so really just taking the language and making sure that that language is all around you. Um, so easy stuff that you can do at home, for example, if you're trying to learn French is set uh, Facebook to French or Instagram to French and then or your hmm. phone or Windows or whatever you're using Mac. Um, and for a while that will be really disorienting because everything <laughs> will be in that language. But I mean, you're usually you're uh, familiar with how that tool works anyway. So it's okay and you can sort of say, oh, this is hmm. I can use it. Um, so making sure that that language is all around you is actually a, a really good method of sort of uh, picking up the language without you actually noticing it. Um, and something else that you can do, for example, when you're learning new vocabulary, um, we all remember learning vocabulary at school if we've taken uh, a second language and you have to learn these all these these lists of words that keep right. boring. Right. Um, but something that you can do is putting them on a post-it, for example, and now because everyone's working from home, um, you, you often have this office space, so you can put all these post-its um, around your desktop or your laptop, for example. And you can sort of cheat and look at them, and they're always sort of um, near you. So I, I like to think it's osmosis. You just sort of, yeah, <laughs> well, you're like a sponge. If you think about it, how does anybody learn any language, right? I think, I don't know, 97, 99% of time from their parents, right? And the parents don't use a book. It's not like they're sitting there with a book saying, hey, little Steve, you know. And it's, so it's, it's, an, it's a natural absorption, yeah. right? You hear it, uh, and then you just repeat it. And eventually you figure out what the words mean. And, you know, typically by the time somebody's four or five, you know, they're, they're basically able to speak. They can understand, they can comprehend, they make sentences. Um, I know they say, you know, if you can learn a language by the time you're 12 or 10, you know, your brain is just so ready for it. It's much harder when you're older. But um, what, what your students, what is their main motivation for learning? Is it, um, is it, uh, oh, here we go. Let's welcome my friend Ron Shapiro here. He's got a, do, do you, are you familiar with this? The Zazen Shans. I don't know what that is, but yep. Ron is a very cultured guy. Ron Shapiro is one of my sponsors in, uh, you know, in the, my uh, event here, and he's a good guy. He's got a great program. But um, thank you, Ron. But but with your students, with your caseload, what is their typical motivation? Is it to get a job? Is it so they can come study in your country? Is it both? Is it, I don't know, they want to marry a person who speaks English? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. But what would you say are their motivations? 
Uh, well, usually they're in school, so not really married. Um, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> me sometimes. You never know. It's okay. Stay, stay single. Stay single, guys. Go ahead. <laughs> but usually, um, usually the primary reason is that they want to be able to um, follow courses better and be able to write better essays, for example. Um, and the students that we teach are generally um, students who are studying at uh, a conservatory, for example, or theater dance. So it's all these sort of artsy um, hmm. uh, studies. And um, what you see there is that they really, um, they sort of need the language to also express themselves in daily life and to, to communicate with their teachers and their fellow students, for example. So that's really important. And what's also really important for them is this really specific vocabulary, almost jargon. Um, so we, we try and be ultra specialized and figure out what exactly these students need. So for example, conservatory students really focus on musical English um, and then try and um, create the, uh, lesson material around that. So when you say conservatory, I think you're taking like a person who maybe from Russia or something who's a violin player. You're talking about music conservatory, right? Yes. Um, question. Is there any, do you find who, depending on the, la the native language someone speaks, like, uh, let, me, let me ask you a different way. If someone's native language, let's say French, is it easier for them to learn English to somebody whose native language is a completely different, like Greek or, you know, uh, something that's a completely Jap Japanese or Chinese that's a, just a very different... Um, uh, didact, uh, I don't know what word I'm trying to think of. D the whole like sounds and stuff, you know, are different. Like French, English and French overlap, obviously. So is that easier? Is that easier for you to teach or easier for the student to learn? It's a complicated question. Um, um, so we, we, we're at a very high level here. <laughs> I think um, it depends. Um, okay. So if, um, if someone's coming from French, obviously the jump to English isn't that big. So if um, if they speak French, um, if they only speak French and they learn English, and uh, you compare that to someone who only speaks Japanese and they learn English, then the person from France is going to have it easier, obviously, okay. uh, in, in lots of cases. I mean, it also depends, of course, how, how good is somebody at picking up a language. But generally, I would say yes. But... Um, if you have someone from Japan who's already learned six other languages and English is going to be their seven, then um, the person from Japan is going to have a definite advantage. So something that we also look at and something that we ask in inter intake interviews, for example, is how many other languages do you already speak? So how familiar are you with the idea of the concept of picking up another language? Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you Walk us through what a class would be. How long is it? Do you have a set lesson plan? Is it individual? Is it groups? Uh, is it once a week? How, what, what's your protocol here? Um, well, the protocol for the types of lessons that just um, uh, yeah. talked about. That's, so I, I come uh, to you and say, I, I got I, I say, I, I'm going to say this in Russian, right? <laughs> Which I'm trying to say is, I need to learn English, right? I'm here. I need English, right? And you say, well, this is how we're going to teach it to you, right? Yeah. So what, what would be my options? What, what, what options could I have as a student? Um, so usually it's group lessons um, for two hours once a week. Um, okay. That's just a regular format. And then now, obviously, they're online. And you would get some homework in between. Um, 
and that's that's basically what we what we do but sometimes you get students um or just people in general like business people who really need to pick up the language really quickly um and then we say you know three times a week really the heavy um, right. heavy intensive course um so it, it really depends also on how how fast do you want to go how much do you want to learn what's your time time frame basically and how much time do you have for homework hmm. uh can somebody, in your experience, be competent with the language in two months, six weeks, a month? What's the minimum amount of time you think it takes? Oh, I, know, I know that's a difficult question to give an exact answer to, but is there a I, record? Like, what's I the fastest you, know, you ever saw somebody go from nothing to at least conversant? Um, oof, that's a good one. I'm not sure. Maybe hmm. a month from that's zero to like... Okay. And there's probably some people like me still struggling. <laughs> um, yeah, generally they say like to pick up Dutch. Um, if you're just, you know, average person, um, you will take, um, I think, um, well, they say you know, there's like a number of hours, et cetera, et cetera. But in a year you can, you can basically, basically pick it up. Hmm. And I think most languages that's the case. Yeah, I, I would think. Uh, can you share some success stories you've had? Like maybe, you know, you don't have to name names or anything, but... Uh, you know, maybe some stories of this student came to me with this, and this is why, you know, like a case study, we would call it here. Well, actually, um, I think the the most interesting success story is not uh, one of my students, but one of um, actually a group of students that my business partner, Tai, taught. Hmm. Um, their family, and I think it's really interesting because um, it's mum and dad and their son. Um, and they had like group lessons, sort of, but with a little group of three because that's the family. Mm -hmm. And um, the parents are both academics um, and they're really interested in philosophy, but also technology, um, IT, uh, and the son as well. And uh, my business partner created all these uh, lessons around all the things that they really found very interesting. And I think in six months' time, they went from zero to to B2 and a B2 level, you can have like interesting conversations, um, nuance, you can give your opinion on difficult topics, but they were discussing philosophy and stuff and hmm. writing essays. And I thought that was amazing. Do you, um, this is something I always thought is, is hard, is it's one thing to learn kind of textbook language, right? But then you go somewhere and the natives have a lot of slang, there's a lot of colloquialisms. There's a fancy word. I'm sure you know that because you're very smart. But you know, which is difficult for a person who kind of has a book knowledge, right? So I go, I learn whatever Dutch, and I learn it kind of right by the book, right? This is it. And I go to, I'm out on the street walking around, and somebody's using a bunch of slang, and now I'm like right back where I started. <laughs> is that part of your instruction at all? Yes. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, so. Um, I think in general, uh, you have languages that. Um, that sort of um, where the, the written form and the spoken form are actually very close together. And then there's languages where the two are completely distinct. So yes. uh, I'm dabbling in Farsi a little, like that's what they speak in Iran. Mm -hmm. um, and then there the two are completely different. Hmm. Um, but in Dutch, they're actually quite similar, but you can still sound a bit funny. Hmm. Done it from a book, so we definitely pay attention to that. And some, some of these course books in Dutch, for example, they say, you know, um, they, they have these sentences that you would never use in real life. And we just get them. And we just tell our students, don't say this. Sounds weird. Everybody says this. And we actually <laughs> teach them the language 
that people actually use and that you could use in, for example, the supermarket. Hmm. Yeah, I remember. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little story. We, when I, uh, my kids were little, we had an au pair from Germany, and um, uh, anyway, she was only here a few days, and we said one of our my child my children's friends are going to come over, and his last name is Grossman. Well, Grossman in German means big person, right? Well, he comes over. He's a six year old kid. <laughs> he's, you know, he's he's three feet tall. So she thought we were playing a trick on her <laughs> because we said we said he's coming over. This is so and so Grossman. She thought we were saying a big man is coming over. <laughs> Meanwhile, this little kid came over, and uh, it, she got all upset because she thought we were making fun of her, which wasn't the case. But it's just funny how you know sometimes things people are very literal, you know, and sometimes people aren't. Um, but we said, no, it's really, it's really true. This is, that's his name. He's not a, he's a little person. He just has a name of a big person. Um, so slang, is it part of it? Right. It, yeah. Because we, and the thing I was, I remember the same au pair. We said, you know, we were t- trying to tell her what cool means, right. Which is a big English American thing. And cool literally means like not warm, right. Like, you know, whatever my, my cup has cool liquid in it. Well, the slang is like acceptable, like something that you want to be involved in. Like, it's cool to learn English or whatever. So it's hard for people to, to get around that a little bit. Um, what, uh, have you been to the United States? Have you, have you ever lived in a country where English was the actual primary native language? Yeah, I lived in London for a bit. Ah, so you have a little, kind of an English accent a little bit, but is that how, do most Dutch, I don't, I don't hope this is an offensive question, but do most Dutch people who speak English have the same accent that you do? Or is yours, um, yours seems a little more English, you know, like London, England-ish a little bit? Um, I would say most people actually have more of an American accent. Really? That I can't do. Well, they sound really Dutch. Um, our prime minister is uh, famous for this because he would always sound like this whenever he would give a, a press conference. And hmm. that's, that's, that's basically a Dutch accent. Interesting. Yeah. So interesting. The la- the whole language thing, you know, it's, it's something you can never get away from because everybody has to communicate unless you can't speak. Um, and, and yet we take it for granted. You know, everybody just assumes language is just so easy and natural until you run into somebody that doesn't speak your same language. And then it becomes such a struggle. I, I just find it so fascinating. Um, let me ask you a few more questions. Um, let's talk about online learning. Okay. And I, I don't know if you heard my intro um, but the, the biggest concern I get from parents right now, can my child learn online? Can they learn effectively online? And, and we've already established that your classes are online now. Are, how's that going for you? Is it effective? Are the students having any sort of challenge? And your students are a little bit older, so I'd assume somewhat more adaptable. But what's your experience teaching online? Well, um, I would always prefer face-to-face groups mm-hmm. because um, especially when you're learning a language, it's sort of people don't only speak the words. They also um, like to gesture, for example, that's the body language. And it's, it's much more difficult to also sort of get that um, when you're teaching online. So you're missing quite a bit of what makes communication. communication. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we have to make do, and I think the teacher 
the teachers are also getting better because we're starting to learn how these tools work um, and we're getting better at taking um, taking a large group of students, for example, and um, dividing them into smaller groups in these tools, um, having them sort of do these group exercises and then reporting back to the class. So all these, these useful tools that you learn as a teacher that you apply, when you start teaching online, you don't have Oh, yeah. what am I going yeah. to do? Hmm. Yeah. Um, is this affecting your business at all as a company? Do you find it's easier to deliver online? Is it harder? Do you prefer it? Not prefer it? I think it um, has its advantages and disadvantages. Um, what I really like is that um, you don't have um, traveling times anymore. You just you know yeah. you just go online and there you are, and that's. I think that's ideal. Um, so that's on the plus side. Yes, definitely. But then you, <laughs> but then you give up the actual rapport. Right. So, yeah. Um, but for our business, it's it's quite good. And we were actually really lucky because um, I'm a bit of an IT nerd. I like computers. I like messing around with them. So mm -hmm. um, before um, the, the pandemic started, um, I think this was November last year, I said to my business partner, like, hey, I would like to create an online learning environment. Um, I've worked with Moodle before. I'm just going to install something on our server because I also uh, do the website and everything. Um, and I just had a field day just playing around with Moodle um, mm -hmm. and I created an online Moodle, environment. by the way, if you don't know, is like an online learning platform. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, yeah, that was great. And then we had that, but we didn't really think we were going to do anything with it, um, like in the short term. Yeah, well, you cursed then, yourself by thinking that. <laughs> yeah, and then um, it, unfortunately, but then um, then we already had this, so we could we could take it straight away. So I think we only lost one week of lessons when uh, the the quarantine here started, and then we were up and running again. So that was that was ideal. Do you think you'd be just as successful anywhere? I mean, you're in Holland, but if you were, I don't know, if you were set up in Rome, would you have the same demand or Moscow or? Uh, is, is your location helping you to drive your popularity as an instructor? Um, well, I, I don't have any experience with these other markets. So oh, I'm hy not hypothetically. Sure. We're just, but, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm just throwing it out there. But I do think um, um, what really helps is when, when you're Dutch and you've grow, you're like, you grew up here, right? So you, you know the ins and outs, you know what people are like, and then you've lived in this other country as well, and you can sort of contrast um, the, the different languages, also the different cultures. Mm -hmm. I think that makes a huge difference. Um, so I don't think I'd be very successful teaching English in Rome, for example, um, because, I mean, I think people would prefer a native speaker. Um, they do so anyway, anyways. Mm. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, in the Netherlands, also because um, we need English to communicate with all our neighbors who are much bigger uh, than us. So I, I think there's a huge demand here, yeah. Is, is, uh, it's a destin So people are coming there as a destination, right? They want to learn because I guess the schools are, are very high caliber. What do they do after that? So now let, let's talk about a graduate, right? So somebody stays with you a year. Now they're English masters, I don't know. Um, do they go back to their native countries? Do they stay there? Do they travel around the world? What, what's, uh, do you have any, do you keep any records of what your alumni are doing? Uh, sometimes we keep in touch. Yeah. Um, I, I think it depends, uh, which country, uh, they're from. Um, so I think if they if it's like a neighboring country, they often go back, for example, Germany, they often go back 
for um, uh, UK, but also lots. Of, yeah, people also stay. I think it depends on whether you think that um, you're going to have better chances of finding a job here in, in the Netherlands, for example, than uh, where you were living previously. Um, and I also think it depends on the type of students. So if you're um, going to a music conservatory and you want you want to join an orchestra, for example, then, um, you know, it's mm -hmm. just whichever orchestra accepts you and then you'll have to move to that country. So, or mm -hmm. if you want to be an academic, for example, it's just whichever university will accept you, that's where you go and live. So in your life day to day, you're speaking English most of the time. You're speaking Dutch some of the time. Um, I don't know if there's a third language that you're working in. D does that have any, like, effect on your, I don't know, your kind of personality or anything? Is it just, you're so used to it, it doesn't matter? I just, I remember we were on vacation in, in the Caribbean, in an island that where it was Spanish. And the person who was in charge of volleyball game or something, but I'm just, I'm fascinated by this. So they're like, hey guys, we're going to play volleyball. And then he would say the same sentence in Spanish. Then he would say the same sentence in French. Then he would say, okay, here's our rules. Then he would say it in Spanish and French. And I'm, I, I, I just, I can't, I'm, it's just something I am unable to do, even on any level at all. So I find it so amazing somebody has that sort of command um, to have that, you know, just on, turn in on a dime, just like that. Um, but but in, in, because you're able to do this, do, do you find it's hard or is it just so natural for somebody who's able to do it? Um, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, I, but I do notice, so I think I have a bit of, a, of an advantage because I actually studied the language for five years, um, but which is also a disadvantage because when I, like from the age of 18 to like 23, I didn't really practice my Dutch at all. So my academic mm. Dutch isn't that good. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, so I can also switch like in a lang in mid-sentence, I can just go from Dutch to English. But really? um, I do notice that there's always one dominant language. So if I'm speaking a lot of English day to day, then I will lose certain Dutch words um, and vice versa. Um, but I do think that, I mean, Dutch will always be my, my mother tongue and English will, my English will never be as good as my Dutch, I think. So um, I'm always a bit insecure about my English and I'm all, always sort of like wondering, oh, maybe I made a mistake here or maybe I didn't pronounce uh, this, that right. I think your maybe... English is better than mine um, <laughs> in some ways. This, this is crazy. Like, it's more it textbook, you know, we're, but hmm. Plus it's also um, like, so in Dutch, for example, I, I, I like Dutch because I can be quite creative with it and Dutch has certain mechanics which allow you to make new words really easily. Um, hmm. And German has the same, for example. And so it, it allows you to play with words. That's that's really a lot of fun. Um, but I don't want to do that in English because if I if I make word jokes in English, people often think that I'm making a mistake. Um, so I've yeah, sort of let go of that. Like um, Uberhausen or something. You can just put like little words together and make a giant word in German. Yeah, we yeah. don't really do that in English very well. Hey, this is uh, Steve Green, my guest. Katrien Van Riet, all the way from Holland, 2.30 in the morning there, blessing <laughs> us with her brilliance, her command of these languages, and her skills. Uh, this is Education Life Thursday. We are here every week. We are here to help parents, help students, to help their children, to maximize their education, give you actions. A little bit different this week because this is a little more of a theoretical thing, but I am finding this so interesting. I'm really enjoying this. Uh, two or three more questions for you, then we're going to let you go back to sleep. Um, number one, where do you think 
and I ask everybody this because I, I don't know the answer to this. What do you think we've learned from this last six, eight months of being shut in and having to transition to virtual, maybe 100%? Uh, what do you think is going to stick? What do you think we're still going to be doing even when we return to quote-unquote normal? And what do you think the second people can meet face-to-face is never going to come back again? you have any opinion about that? Um, like I can tell I, you, I, I can tell you my world if it helps you. Mm-hmm. For years, I've been doing online tutoring and I've been doing online education for eight, nine years now to the point where the technology wasn't that great. Um, right now, I mean, look, we're, I don't know, how many miles is it to Holland or kilometers? You do kilometers or miles? Kilometers probably. Kilometers. Okay, so it's, I don't know, we're 5,000 kilometers apart. I don't know. We've got a beautiful connection. The sound's great. Video's great. Everybody's looking good. I was teaching online when you would say, Hi, Katrine. And there we go. And then four seconds later, you would hear me. <laughs> and then 10 seconds later, I'd hear your answer. Uh, the video was not great. You couldn't do whiteboards. You couldn't do anything like that. So it took me some time. And I almost had to sell the idea of being able to instruct online to a parent that it was worth uh, the time than the cost to instruct their children that way. Well, the one good thing that's come out of this is that the, the buy-in on that and pe- people's ability to say, yeah, this can be effective, especially one-on-one or in a group of two or three, which I do all day. Um, and I, don't, I just don't have to have the conversation anymore. Hey, we're going to meet on Zoom. We're going to meet on whatever platform we're going to use. Don't worry. It's going to be awesome. Oh, no, no. We know now. It's great. For six, seven years, I, it was half the argument. You know, hey, don't worry. It's going to be fine. You know, you can test it out. Um, so is there something like that you found in your uh, situation that maybe you hadn't been doing before because people were resistant or they just didn't want to know that you might be able to use moving forward. Uh, is there something that you think is going to change that way in a sort of long-term way? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think the, um, I think online teaching is, is here to stay, I guess, um, because the tools have just improved so much. Yes. And the um, during the last the internet months. Too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also got a better internet connection. So I would be able to teach properly mm-hmm. without bop, bop, bop. Um, so so I think that's that's just here to stay and I think um, all the the teachers have also learned how to actually use these um, these different tools and something that I've noticed with my my own teaching is that um, I would see this as a oh there's a thing yes, somebody a comment. oh yeah look at this 12 year old putting us to shame thank you Ron Indeed. Yeah. The, um, so you, I, I agree with you. I think online teaching is going to be, is never going to go back. I think the acceptance of it, the technology, the ability to support it is very strong now. By the way, all of you out there listening, uh, if you want to make a comment, ask a question, say something nice to us, uh, that would be accepting. Uh, I think my last question, I probably could have 30 or 40 more. Um, share with us something, you know, is there something unique about your country that, you know, maybe Americans aren't aware of. I think, I mean, this is really stereotypical, but we think Holland, we think tulips. Uh, We think Hans Hans Christian Andersen. Was he, no, he was Danish, I think. Never mind. Um, Was he Dutch? No, he wasn't, no. I think he was Danish. We have Miffy. What is that? Miffy is a little um, bunny rabbit, Hmm. um, white, um, really big in Japan, I think. Interesting. So tulips, I think tulips, Dutch tulips, beautiful. But um, what, what, uh, 
you know, what, what, is there something about your culture or something I'll give you a chance to share here that you're particularly proud of? Oh, well, I think there's something really funny about that culture um, because we learn all these languages here. We're really proud that we can speak all these languages, sort of. Mm -hmm. So whenever somebody um, has a bit of an accent in Dutch, um, we automatically switch to English and we try and accommodate them, but also maybe show off show off our um, our Dutch a little, our English a little. So actually, people who come and move here find it very difficult to learn Dutch because nobody wants to speak Dutch with them. Because all these <laughs> wow, it's, all, it's, all these it's like a paradox. Let's then, move to Dutch and learn English. Let's move to yeah, Holland and learn in, English. In, in social settings or um, in um, like businesses, um, they have to speak English during the day, right? And then during drinks, they all go back to Dutch. And this one person who doesn't speak Dutch, who hasn't been able to learn Dutch, keeps switching to English. That person is left out from the conversation of all hmm. these Dutch people switching back to Dutch. So everybody's sitting around having a, a glass it's of a wine or whatever, whatever yeah. or Heineken, right? A Heineken, probably very big in Holland, right? And yeah. You got the one guy over here who wants to speak Dutch, and everybody else, like, yeah, we don't want to deal with you. <laughs> Incredible. Um, anything else you want to share? I mean, any other just ideas we haven't touched on or anything that you think are important for people to know about? Oh, I don't know. I think we've been quite thorough. I, I hope so. Here we got Ron. Ron is, is the comment king tonight. Thank yeah, you indeed. so much, Ron. He is. Ron is. Ron well, thank is, you for listening. Uh, yeah. Thank you for having me, Stephen. I want to thank you, first of all, for getting up in the middle of the night or staying up till the middle of the night and coming on here. I, I also want to thank you for the good work that you're doing because um, I think one of the keys to being a good educator is to be passionate about what you do. If you don't love teaching, don't go into teaching, right? Because it's hard work. It can be frustrating. Uh, it can be also super, super rewarding, but you got to really love what you're doing. So anytime you meet an educator... Uh, who's really all in with it and is, is just helping so many people. No, It doesn't matter what subject it is. It doesn't matter what grade you are, what age it is. Just the fact that we're, we're bringing information to people and giving people value that way, I, I just I, I applaud. And I wanted to give you a platform to talk about that. Uh, additionally, I, I, you know, I think the whole language uh, discussion is so interesting because it's challenging. You know, if it was so easy to learn, everybody learn it in five minutes, that'd be the end of it, right? It's a lifelong you know, lifelong, but it's a long-term pursuit. And, uh, but, but then again, I think one of the things you've said, and we really haven't talked about that much, is the value once you learn it. So people invest in the process. They learn it from somebody like yourself. And now they have a skill they can use the rest of their lives in all kinds of different settings, whether it's professional or social or academic or what have you, and, and they're just better off. So, yep. you know, I think you're doing a fabulous service. If some, if somebody was interested, um, probably our audience primary English, but let's not take anything for granted. Um, how would they get a hold of you? Do you have an email address or a website you want to share? Oh, yeah. It's uh, de-talkamer.nl. Oh, but I can oh. put it in the <laughs> – because it's in Dutch. Put it in the Please, chat here, and I'll, I'll put it along the stream here. Ty type it in the chat, and I will uh... – so your website is only in Dutch right now, you told me. At the moment, yeah, and that's, that's my bad. Oh, it's okay. I'm going to learn Dutch in the next five hours, so I'll be able, I'll be able to read it by tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, it's very similar to German. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, okay. Um, yeah, last thing uh, before we wrap up. Anything just big coming up? Are you doing any sort of workshops or classes or just something that you'd want people to be aware of? You know, Maybe they could tap into? Yeah, 
Oh, it's all in the Netherlands and the, the all courses now, um, but we're uh, working on this uh, new um, online learning environment, which I think is going to be really cool, um, but it's it's for one of the schools, so it's not going to be public. Hopefully we'll have a public. Hmm. Interesting. Um, one second here. One second. I just want to look up something. I got so many things going on here. One thing I need to you say, you are in pursuing a second degree in industrial design yeah. <laughs> from the Eidenhoven University of Technology. Yep. Is that like an engineering uh, kind of degree? Yep. Dang. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, it's the nerd side. So would that make you like an architect? No, not really an architect. Engineer. Like an once engineer. I'm done, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, I think it's... I think it's important to combine technology and education in that way because everything's going online. And I also think design thinking has some really interesting aspects that you can take and apply to curriculum development. So that's really what I want to um, get into. Yeah, well, that that's a big thing for me because that was my big, uh, personally anyway, what I really learned as a graduate student coming through my doctoral degree was uh, institutional management, curriculum design and things like that. And we talked about that when we first met. Uh, because that's that's an ever-changing thing, right? What's popular now is not popular tomorrow and so on and so on. But in the end, it's all about teaching people the most efficient way we can at their level. You know, that's really what education, I think, needs to be for people. Um, what what does that mean in Dutch? I don't, I don't mean to... to tell, commer, oh, tell, it means the. De is the. And mm -hmm. then tal is language. Oh. Um, and then kamer is um, room, but it's closer to chamber. So chamber in English and kamer are like sort of... So it basically says like the language room. Yeah, that's us. Awesome. Oh, well, that makes tons of sense. <laughs> All right. So look, uh, this is Education Live Thursday. A little bit different this week, but a great conversation. Thank you so much, Katrine. I, I, uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm hoping that the, you know, our listeners out there, let, let's... let's uh, there you go, the international language here. Let's hear that. Let's hear a big hand here. Um, I appreciate you coming on. I'm sure everybody else does as well. Um, and and uh, I hope maybe, uh, you know, we'll get you back on in a little while when things settle down. And, you know, we can talk about some of the ideas you have and how you're helping people. And we'll go from there. So let me wrap this up. Steve Green, Education Live Thursday. We're here every week. I got to be honest, I got so wrapped up in this conversation, I forgot to even mention who's going to be here next week. Um, it is my friend, uh, is it Jerry Gross or Ken Myers? I, got, I think it's Jerry Gross, uh, financial guy. If you are concerned about getting your kid through college, uh, it's too expensive, you want to save some money, this is what you want to listen to. This guy's all about teaching people how to save money on college, how to save the right way, how to do things like that. Following week, another one of my buddies, Great guy, Ken Myers, Apex Leadership, leadership skills, Talk, generating next generation's leaders today in the schools, integrating that into schools, and helping your schools raise money at the same time. The following week is Thanksgiving. Uh, it's American holiday. So, uh, yeah, you probably don't celebrate that in Holland, but that's okay. Um, so we're going to take that week off. I'm giving myself a week off after about 32 weeks straight of this. I'm going to try to rest one night. Hopefully everybody will allow that. Um, last thing here. You want to say uh, in Dutch or something? Like, 
I had a fabulous time. Thank you, Steve. Or because <laughs> that translate, can you say that in Dutch? Thank you, Stephen. I found it super fun to be here aanwezig to be. Ah, there you go. I cannot top that. We're going to end right there. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. And, thank uh, you for thank having you me. Again, uh, uh, my pleasure. I'd love to have you back again. See you next time. See you. Bye. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.